0: Dave Morris.
1: I am so excited today.
0: (laughs) How are you, my friend?
1: I'm great. You know what? I had a really like exhausting day today. Like we're renovating our bathroom. So Missy is Missy's like all deep in renovations. And I don't do that kind of stuff. So she's deep in renovations. (laughs) And so like and I've been and I've been like, you know dad the yep. solo dad all day like dealing with and milo had a bad day so that means i had a bad like it was just such uh, a no. tough day that i was just exhausted i got a headache like everything was just rough and then and we I had look, this to be honest incredible we- conversation when you uh, logged on, you right looked
0: it. so disheveled. Uh, a, 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 an hour and a half ago, you, <laughs> you, were, it was, you came was, on screen and you were like, holy shit, look oh, at me. And look so
1: at myself. That's what my day has been. But that all is wiped away because that we just had the greatest conversation with uh, with our guests today. Yeah, who you but, know very well. Who yes, I only just met. Uh,
0: course, Patty Stiles is, is our guest today. Patty was... Uh, I was lucky enough to have Patty moved to Melbourne, uh, in the, uh, late nineties. Um, and, uh, and so she became the artistic director of Impro Melbourne, a company, uh, uh, that I was in and Keith would come and visit her and therefore work with us. And, and so we just had, uh, uh, um, you know, she's my, my Impro mama, basically my Impro mama bear taught me everything yeah. I know, um, exposed me to all the right things and philosophies and made me the improviser that I am. So, uh, uh, it's such a pleasure to have her on the show um, yeah and
1: she's kind of like my improv auntie I guess because yeah <laughs> we're like improv brothers and so like, you know, like- <laughs> keep it all in a family <laughs> she indirectly had an influence on me but not like a parent <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and it, it was it was such a great conversation like it it uh, well, we always talk about how we love getting into the nerdy Yep. parts of improv in the show and I feel like today we really got into it like we got into some real deep theory and philosophy so if you're yeah. here for the laughs you'll get you might get one or two but mostly yeah. this this episode's definitely about the improv yeah all right <laughs> so impro, in the impro the impro.
0: <laughs> impro in this case
1: yeah. <laughs> um, all right well uh we hope you
0: enjoy our chat with patty we'll be back again with uh, another exciting guest real soon Ooh. bye Beep. I'm sitting in the back of a
1: van, chilling with my man Dave Morris Just All I want to do is sing this chorus, sitting in the back of a van Sitting in the back of a van, chilling with my man Dave Morris Just All I want to do is sing this chorus, sitting in the back of a van
0: Hello Patty Styles. welcome Patty to Stiles. the podcast
2: Woo! Yay!
0: I caught you Thank mid-sip
2: you. I know you did add my little sippy cup.
0: I think you, you thought that introduction was gonna be much longer than than that. <laughs>
2: Dude, I thought you were gonna go, hey, hi, it's the podcast. We are and yeah. but, no. we've already done um,
0: that part earlier we, did before, but we, did we already that. did that and then we went to a little little uh, you know rap song and now we're and now we're here talking to you. You're
2: efficient.
1: In the moment, you know, we don't want to waste your time. <laughs> we know it's valuable. <laughs> yeah, your time is so, especially right now. You got so much going right now. You're so valuable. Your time. Thanks for spending it with us. By the way, yes, Thank thanks. Absolutely for coming chuffed. chuffed. It's um, lovely now
2: seeing your faces.
1: It's
0: so great to see your face. I um, to contextualise Patty Styles. I am sure. I am not sure that I have to uh, for any of our uh, improvising uh, uh, audience. But um, Patty Styles uh, was kind of like my, or is kind of like my improv mama. Uh, oh. she, she was, uh, she caught me in a very, um, uh, a very susceptible phase of my improv career where I was. Going and, and doing uh, some cracking work and building uh, a quite a nice ego, and then she came along and shattered that and uh, <laughs> and got me focused on uh, on all the right ways to improvise and uh, and really changed the way that I improvise quite profoundly, uh, in- including lots of other people um, here in Melbourne. We were very lucky to have her. Uh, come on board uh, when she did. So um, I owe an awful lot to Patty. And I have to say this to you, Patty, because I, I haven't actually said this to you before, but uh, there are there are times like uh, late at night where I'm like really drunk at festivals or, or really drunk and high, you know, after an Amsterdam thing where at 2 a.m. I'm like, I should just call Patty down and say, thank you, just one. <laughs> Just put, just call it out and say thank you. And Then I'm like, you can't do that. Don't no, no, just like the I don't know even know what time it is in Australia. So <laughs> I mean, you know how much I love you and and uh, and how much I, I I respect your work and everything that you've given to me. Oh, but um, but yeah, it's so it's a real pleasure to have you on the show that's as well. Adorable. Uh, yeah. You've, you've,
2: you 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 should got see. Got me no. teary. No. <laughs> you do honestly. Thank you. That was beautiful.
1: Ah, the most emotional way to start the show that <laughs> is actually emotional teary. Yeah. I I Audience. Watching it. Watching yeah. it. I'll Thank narrate. You, and Patty Thank reached you. up me. <laughs> From her eyes. That was beautiful. Yeah, Uh you know who do, you know who does that kind of call though, Jason. My sister does that every uh, really? years, My sister, my sister, drunk on New Year's Eve, calls me and says <laughs> like, "I love that you're my brother." <laughs> so you could do it, and you know, and based on how I feel, I'm sure Patty would appreciate it. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't uh, want to uh, speak for you, Patty. Maybe Patty's busy and doesn't want you to. <laughs> she's, like, she's already gone, but number blocked. She's already gone. <laughs> I just
2: like, go. Is Jake's going on, on holidays? Is he going to a festival? Blocked. Uh, Back
1: exactly in Australia, okay. All right, okay. <laughs> it's just yeah, if it's a weird time of night, I'm not. Don't answer that. Question. It's just gonna yeah. mush. All these beautiful. Who wants to hear beautiful things said to you? Ugh, but uh, but seriously, thank you for coming on, Patty. It's so nice to have you here. And I, I just want to start right away. I got a weird question. Weird question for you. Did you know? Did you know that you're on the periodic table of improvisation? Did you know? That?
2: I I did. And I'm really honored and confused.
1: So I made that table. I made that table you? with your proposition. Yeah. So if you've seen it, I made it. And you're on it. I put you on it. Even though we've never met. I, I put you on that table with your
3: proposition. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much. But I'm glad much. you're
1: on it. Yeah. How did you find out? Was it was it a weird moment for you? Because you're the first person I know that was surprised to find themselves on it.
2: Uh yeah, someone shared it with me. And I went, Oh, this is cool. This is, you know, a beautiful piece of impro nerd wonder. Uh, and I say that with, with heart. Cause I love those kind of things. So I was reading through <laughs> and I was going, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then when I saw me, I went, why am I here? Um, because there was so many people that you had mentioned that I went, you know, these are iconic people and, you know, uh, groundbreaking work and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just an improviser, you know, go and do the gig. And it was, it, it was a great honor and confusing and wonderful. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just went, Oh, yeah. cool. Well, I'm on a periodic well, table.
1: <laughs> yeah. C- Cause we've never had the fortune of meeting, but I have like, I've known of you forever. Cause like, you know, you're, you're Canadian originally and I'm Canadian. So I've, I've heard about you every time I go to Edmonton and I've been, I've seen dynasty and rapid fire. And I know all these, like, sort of like all the, the I guess I almost called it leftovers, like the leftovers when you left, <laughs> like when you left Canada, everything you left here I know of, and then I know about you know Impro Melbourne, and I know what what's going on in Australia through Jason mm. and other people, of course. But but so I know all of this, but I've never had the chance to meet you. Uh, and so when I was putting together the periodic table, you were obviously like, well, I got to put Patty Styles on there, like she single handedly brought improv to Australia. I'm sure, that's not true, but, I mean, at, not at, true. but at the time, <laughs> but at the time when I was making the table, I was like, I was like, yeah, Patty is the one who, she's like the John Stone of, of, of Australia, so I had to put you on it. Um, but yeah, I just wondered if you knew, yeah, just wanted yeah, to throw that, yeah. throw that out there.
2: <laughs> and I think I, uh, I'm pretty sure I've even saved it because I kind of giggled and I went, This is cool, and saved it, and <laughs> put it in my little, oh,
3: this is really cool folder.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, de- I definitely didn't bring impro to Australia. It, it was it was here and had a long history and tradition before I arrived, uh, which was great. It was great to arrive and have all these companies that already had this body of work and all these people that had been working on it and different extensions and, um, you know, I mean we've got Al Wonder who I think lives in Queensland. Uh, he's here and he's you know an improvisation teacher in a in a you know a different stream or branch or thread or school or whatever you want to call it um and david lander was doing a lot of work um with i think it was suitcase theater uh that had lynn pierce in it and my husband chris gregory um and then there's born in a taxi and they do a lot of physical performance and improvisation as well so there was a a rich history of improvisation already happening
0: in terms of coming to impro melbourne the the big difference was uh we were primarily doing theater sports at that time uh mm. and and it was st- still a little it was still a little uh like a little teamy like a, you know there were there were uh, fact- factions you know what Ooh. i mean like yeah. um and so we played theater sports and 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 to some extent it mattered you know to some extent ah. the, the scores mattered and and you know you'd come up and there were o- older players here when i was coming up that that weren't really you know reaching back to help the younger players they weren't more <laughs> interested in kind of protecting win- the, the real estate the that, was, yes, that was already <laughs> I there There's points and so i remember the 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 dynamic in the dressing rooms even you know pre and post uh patty arriving and taking over over impro melbourne and that journey over that couple of years, you know, really, really changing um the way that we approached the the shows that we did and 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 things like that. So there was improv here, but it was a little more dog eat dog, I think, um mm. when uh when we were here before. And that's not to say that the community wasn't looking after each other or wasn't it wasn't um kind of uh, uh pr- producing good work work at all uh but it was you you really had to kind of look out Look out for yourself and your own, I
3: mean, um, mm.
0: and uh, and and Patty's contribution immediately was to break that down and and uh, have the company start kind of turning its uh, attention on making each mm. other better and supporting each other through, which was the big kind of shift that that happened when Patty came to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. At least,
2: I think it's it's one of the things that's really difficult to, uh, I think, to pass down through generations of improvisers is uh, a lot of the theory or the ideas behind the concepts or behind the games, behind the exercises, behind the formats. And you see that happening a- across the board. You know, like you see what's going oh, yeah. on with, with the you know, Harold or the Armando. It's the same problem that uh, the origins of the work, what was being explored, what was being questioned, the conversations that were happening in the room with um those improvisers at that time that doesn't transition through what transitions through is what people see so ah i see someone does a monologue and we do scenes but the reason for it hasn't been explained or um why we get the monologue hasn't been explained and it was the same with theater sports so people saw you know the teams the sport the games the challenges and were off and running, but didn't understand that it was a vehicle to to take Keith's work and exploration in the classroom. And it was a vehicle that that could continually be explored in. And it was about the drawing heat out of the audience. It wasn't about actually competing on stage. I mean, you could play like you were playing a board game with friends. Right, so you might give each other a little bit of a challenge or a little bit of a nudge, and um, but it, <laughs> yeah. nobody's going to remember. Nobody remember who who won the national theater sports title five years ago. Yeah, nobody. Like,
1: Somebody might. Somebody might. Well, the <laughs> but person they who did yeah. might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't though. Yeah. You yeah, know,
2: um, but the audience will remember the show that they had if we're focused on that um but those are the hardest things to explain because they take a lot longer in the classroom to to explain to talk about to slow down and examine and a lot of people come into the workshop room wanting to do and wanting to laugh so already you're at a disconnect with okay why are you here and what do you want in comparison to the learning that needs to happen to get you to a place um and And, you know, even in in books and so forth, you can explain a game, but it may not explain the theory, and it doesn't explain every possible moment that could happen. So everything gets really squished down into very linear approaches, which our form is not linear.
0: Yeah, and then people take that linear explanation as gospel as well, so then any deviation away from that becomes, uh, you know, something that's, that's, you know, chided against. So people will, you know, that one narrow explanation of of it. um, it, it, If you deviate from that at all, you know, the, but someone else teaching it is just going to slap your hands
1: for doing that, you know, no, no, it's not how it's done. Oh, no, you already came out and accepted a challenge. The other person has to accept the challenge. Yeah, Yeah.
2: (laughs) I have seen, um, people in tears, like break down in tears when I simply say, well, that's not a rule and and uh, like they collapse into tears because they've been yelled at. They've walked off stage and their team is on the side of the stage and would yell at them for breaking a rule, mm. for not doing it correctly.
1: Yeah, and I I I love the the your emphasis on the theory being lost. It's so true. It's like mm. whenever I I see theater sports played, like I don't think I saw the judges get booed by the audience in theater sports until like I, like 5 years like 10 years after doing improv before i finally was at a theater sports show where they did that thing that you're supposed to do to make the audience hate the judges so that the, they love the players right like that theory idea oh. of like the failing of judges are bad for judging art right like it's a boo instead of um putting that hate on the players for a bad scene and the warning for boring like the horn like that like I don't think they. I've I've only ever seen that in one theater sports show where people actually use the horn and actually uh, honk scenes off when they're bad. Which is one of those things that, like, if you understand the theory, it's amazing. Like, thank yeah. goodness, thank you for getting me off stage. That scene was terrible. <laughs> but when you see it as like we're buying into the competition and forgetting the the reason and just telling the form, it it breaks your heart when your scene gets honked off stage when it shouldn't. It should be yeah. like a thing thank you let's make this a yeah. good show please right and that yeah and that's, that's theater sports is a perfect example of where the theory just disappears so fast and heralds too like with the openings opening of a herald is the first thing that i see get cut and people just say like yeah we don't need to do an opening let's just let's just go right into scenes i'm like why are you the opening is the best part, it's most important part of the herald <laughs> that's, that's over where we crack it open yeah um yeah anyway yes. i just want to
2: absolutely what what you were saying about the you know uh the judges being booed and the horn they are dropped because people go oh it's negative and you can't say a scene is bad and you know we don't want to judge the improvisers and really that's the improviser's ego it's like we don't want to be booed even though we're judging we don't want to be booed but the whole theory behind you know um creating a body of judges, an authority figure that the audience gets to vent at authority is cathartic. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> great. I mean, it's and the they deal will, in wrestling, isn't it? Like it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, that's what it is. It's wearing it's the nature black boy cloaks,
1: <laughs> black cloaks, and they come out and as they walk out, they get booed. It's so yeah. fun to, to to send all that hatred at them. And then when the players screw up and make a mistake or the scene isn't good, we boo the judges you yeah. don't beat play the yeah. players the same with the like the maestro idea of like mm. of the 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 first pers- the director is the one that screwed up the scene that's all <laughs> it's the director's fault if the scene is bad it's not the player's fault right that, that's that that whole that whole concept i love that idea of keith's work and it gets dropped so fast when people start playing the formats mm-hmm. yeah
2: and that's for- ego people format. yeah, yeah. It's, it's ego because people don't want to be judged they don't want to accept responsibility or accountability for their work but if you're not willing to accept responsibility and accountability then how do you learn because you know uh we're perfectly imperfect that's a given so you know um you're going to try things and some things will work and some things won't work and the thing that didn't work might work another night at a different time with a different audience you know, so you try it, refine it. Um, but nobody wants to kind of say, yep, yeah, I'll put my hand up for that. And the audience just loves it. And they get a point that they can vent. It's an authority figure. We know the role so you can play the role. Yeah, They're not booing you. They're booing a judge that you're playing. Everybody yeah. knows they come into pretendy land. They bought a ticket to a theater. They know it's made up why are we trying to protect ourselves like
1: having yeah having judged some theater sports shows like being the judge and getting booed and it's so fun it's one of my favorite my my favorite thing i always try and do is is honk off a pretty good scene like (laughs) when it's when it's like it's pretty good they're doing fine uh, but i'm going to honk it off now before it starts to get bad and the audience is going to boo me but it's going to mm-hmm. get everyone in the right mood that it's like look hey i'm the bad guy the scene was the scene was fine but because I mean, mm. if you, if they don't boo you when you honk it off something's wrong like like if the scene if you honked it off and they're like thank you then like yeah. you waited too long judge you should have got that yep. off way earlier if you let it you let it get bad it's your fault judge right so yeah, I, I love I love being vilified. It's so fun. It's the so
0: hard the hard part is, and again, it all comes down to ego. Is when you go backstage uh, at interval, and the uh, improvisers back there, and they give you a dirty look because you've you've, you've got them like hon- honk them off the stage. You're like, it's the it's the show. It's the show. Yeah,
1: it's part of the, it's the whole yeah. fun of the show. Yeah, you absolutely. know, it's, absolutely. Do you, yeah. Do you, do you ever find it's a like I, I, I mean, I assume people ask you about theater sports stuff all the time because you're, a, you're, a, you worked with John Stone, right? Is that a mm-hmm. secret? Should we not tell anybody? Um, <laughs> you studied under Keith, so you—that's you, like the school you sort of grew up doing. Uh, but like, so I'm sure people ask you all the time about it. And do you ever find it like a, a futile, like just like a, ne- a never-ending? You're never going to accomplish it because people always fall back into the ego and the never doing theater sports right? And you're like, no, you should do it right. And then they try it and then they fall back to or 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 is it, Mm. do you see progress? I guess like...
2: I guess, um, first, I I never get tired about talking about it Mm. It, because it it still excites me. And I know that there's so much potential there. And, um, you know, Keith's kind of given up on it, but he's given up on it because of this repeat conversation and not seeing evolution. And I still think there's possibility for the evolution. I still think that, you know, um, it can happen. I believe in improvisers. Um, And sometimes it is the same conversation again and again, but it's with different people each time. So it's only the same for me. And there have been environments where I've been in and we've had a conversation and then people try something and they go, oh, hang on. Oh, we get that now. And then they start a new you know, um, world of exploration. Great. I'm lovely. I'm I'm happy that that offer has led them to a lovely place and they can explore something new. And I would rather do that than, you know, hold it back because all the training I got from Keith, he did it for free. Like it was, he came to the company and he taught us, right? So I feel like he's, he's bestowed upon us this, theory and these exercises in this game and this logic and this, the, these formats and these concepts. And it's, it's my pleasure to share them with people. Mm-hmm. There are some people who completely disagree, and will always disagree and see it differently. Fine, that's, that's their impro world. Um, and I wouldn't say that it's right or wrong, except for when we start going, you know, Keith created the format with a group of improvisers. And in creating the format, there was a creative objective. And then they put things into place to meet that objective. So if you're playing that format, that format has this objective and these things to meet that objective. And if you're not doing that, then you're not playing the reason for the show or the show. So if i say a right or wrong it's looking back at the aims of the show not your right or wrong it's mm-hmm. if you're playing this show and you're not doing these things then you're not doing that show mm. just like if you're doing a shakespeare and you're you're speaking you know uh in a brooklyn accent from the 1940s in a film noir lingo then
1: You're not really doing Shakespeare?
2: (laughs) Yeah. No matter how many doublets you have (laughs) or how many these or those. I mean, if you're doing a mashup, that's a different thing. But, right, so there's certain things in certain styles, formats that are there for reasons. Mm -hmm. So that I would be using right or wrong for that. Mm. Um, And if if you're going, well, I don't want to do that, then great. Do another show. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. It's, it's easy. Um, yeah. So I don't get tired of it, but sometimes I feel like a bit of an impro alien. Um, because there was a a language, a culture, an approach, an ethic that we had that produces certain work, when I'm in environments that, that doesn't have that, sometimes I feel like I'm just speaking a different language.
1: Sure. Yeah you mentioned the yeah. um oh, okay, so like i always oh, we do a lot of theatrical improv here like our goal is always to do our improv shows so they feel like theater shows we do we build sets and we do mm-hmm. two full halves and there's an intermission and we treat it and we do like a season um and uh one of the the so like our aim is always to be really theatrical and um and it's that like if you don't want to do that kind of improv Cool, don't do that kind of improv. I get it. Do it, do whatever you want. But uh, but yeah, like um the right or wrongness of of a thing depends mm. on where you are. And if you're not gonna do it that way, that's okay. But just like, you know, maybe don't call it a herald if you're gonna do it like that, because you're just confusing everybody <laughs> and you're you're making the word suddenly meaningless now. <laughs> like,
2: Absolutely. And then people say, Oh, but herald sells, and you go, Oh yeah, <laughs> that's not a good excuse.
0: Yeah and also if then people come in expecting one thing and they're seeing another you're already selling yourself short in that in 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 that way if they're coming in and they understand you're uh, one of the big things that that we've always had here in Melbourne is to educate our audience we do it to educate our audience so our audience know what to expect when they when they come in so if you've if you've done well and you've educated your audience, and and then people are are calling things, you know, heralds, and your audience goes with that expectation, you're already on the back foot, you know, um, yeah. uh, and uh, because you, you've you've misled your audience, you're giving them something that they they they're not um, they're not getting. You're offering something yeah. that the audience aren't going to get.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're yep. doing the audience a disservice, and you're doing the community a disservice because now the audience goes well. That was that, and that was that, but they weren't the same. So how do I know what it is that I'm going to see? Mm. Mm -hmm. And
0: I liked one and I disliked the other or or didn't like it as much. So what is a, what's the Harold that I'm going to go next time I go and see Harold as well. Mm. And it mm-hmm. might be a different third variation that, that people have come up with too. Yeah. Now Patty, you mentioned uh, something that that um, pricked ears up where, where you said that um, uh, evolving improvisers. so evolving improvisers ideas of what theater sport should be into into what it was intended to be. Do you mm. see other evolutions in the process of, of working with improvisers?
2: I think what I've seen is that um, there's a a generation of improvisers that, you know, kind of started in the 70s and 80s. And um, there was a lot of birth of ideas and births of companies and it was very, a lot of exploration. And then that started being filtered into trying to create product. And so um, the '90s and into the, the 2000s has been really product-driven, rule-driven uh, systems. Um, I'm going to say protocols and procedures, and I'm not talking about creating safe space, and I'm not talking about diversity and inclusion. I'm talking about improvisation, work, and mm-hmm. technique. And and that, to me, you know, it, it's it's marketing, its sales, its product. Um, but there's there's been a confusion in there. Um that the exploration part has shifted into this product, and we've lost the exploration that needs to be an equal component to. Yeah. So the marketing, yes, we have to have good marketing, and yes, you want bums on seats, absolutely. Um but I, I actually believe a lot of improvisation companies don't trust improvisation. Yeah, and this is a problem. Um, they create shows and and improvisers step on stage, but the devices in the formats and the shows that are created are there to protect the improvisers from failing, it's instead bum- of
0: hmm?
1: bumper bowling.
0: It's, yes. it's it's bowling with the bumpers up.
1: <laughs> you know? Failure is such an important part of the art form that that has to be there. The ability to fail; otherwise, we're, we're bumper bowling. That's hardly bowling. Yeah, <laughs> the strike, absolutely. The strike doesn't count if no. you have bumpers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely, and I, and I know that people will go. Well, you know, if you do bad shows, the audience won't come. And then my answer to that is, well, get back in the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's a learning. You know, if the audience isn't coming to your show, then that's a message to you to look at your work. And improving the work doesn't mean putting it into a box so it's consistent and safe, because that's not improvisation. It means coming back into the rehearsal room, um, building stronger connection between your players, stronger listening, stronger observation, mm-hmm. learning to embrace that risk, making as many mistakes as you can, breaking things putting them back together finding your voice and asking yourself what do we want to create what do we want to say what do we want to do and a lot of groups don't ask that they just copy something they've seen someone else do that they thought was successful yeah
1: that's that uh, there's this great thing randy dixon always says about making a format and he's always like well, if you're adding a rule to your format why are you adding it is it because the format doesn't work for some reason or because you're not a good enough improviser and if you're not a good enough improviser, become a better improviser. You don't have to add more rules to make up for the fact you're not listening. Just listen better, right? And that's that same thing of like, if people aren't coming to your shows, you don't have to change improv, right? <laughs> and like alter the art form. Just get better at the art form. Just keep practicing. You're gonna get better. Just like, yeah. like work at it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs>
2: That's absolutely right. And and so there's a lot of things that have been built in to give the improvisers um, make the improvisers feel good, make the improvisers feel safe. And then that changes the work. Mm-hmm. Um also it's the improvisation started to become more popular, and of course it was on TV, and that's changed the work because suddenly audiences did know what the word impro meant. Mm-hmm. Where before uh you know, it was popular on television, audiences didn't know they were coming for an experience and a gamble and rolling the dice on something. And that was a bit adventurous. Mm -hmm. So they were coming in kind of, I don't know what this is gonna be, in a room full of people where people are going, oh, we know what this is gonna be. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, it's like going to your first punk concert and you don't know what punk is. You walk into a vibe, you're not sure what's happening and then boom, (laughs) this thing happens and you're like, okay, right like it or hate it I get it Um, but when it became popular and it became packaged it started to change the conversation Um, what I'm seeing now is groups starting to question that Um, having conversations around it people starting to get over themselves about hearing words like mistake or professional or accountability and maybe it's because you know people are no longer 19 and 20 those improvisers are now older and they're willing to hear those words differently i don't know Mm -hmm. but those conversations are starting to happen which makes me really hopeful for the next wave of exploration Mm -hmm. and i also think art often comes out of times where society has been really challenged and wow have we been challenged these last couple of years
1: what happened <laughs> i Did I miss something? Oh. Yeah. And
2: and you know, COVID. One thing you know, the the, the conversations about you know um, being locked down, isolation, disconnection, the world changing, but also you know uh, conversations around Black Lives Matter, um, you know, diversity, inclusion, uh, gender equity uh gender diversity and acceptance climate change there's a lot happening trump trump yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and when you look at some of the conversations that are starting to come out in festivals there was a, a an asian improv festival um a couple of months ago and they had some really interesting panels uh one panel was um play uh playing with the colonialists Mm -hmm. which i was like whoa great
3: yeah Yeah."
2: what is your experience i need to hear from the other eyes i need to hear from that point of view Mm -hmm. um the other one was when does uh when does celebration become appropriation which really had me pondering and and there was a uh, a couple of players were talking about going to uh, festivals in the U S and there was a lot of pop culture happening, which is, you know, uh, can be a typical U S approach and style. Um, But they're from Malaysia and Taiwan. They just don't have the same references. And the American improvisers were saying, don't worry about it. It's okay. If you don't have them bring your own. But the improvisers were saying, "Well, but if I say something of my culture and you don't know it, then I look other, and nobody gets it. Yeah. So it's it becomes a a, a non offer because you'll either make fun of it or make assumptions of it. But we're not going to play it.
1: And the audience doesn't know it either, so there's no they're not the audience isn't on your side in this watching this one player not understand it's like no i'm the i'm the outsider yeah definitely. yeah
2: and the assumption behind that which is yeah, yeah yeah we're all equal just do your thing it's like well no hang on you don't know my experience because in this environment there isn't a balance
0: yeah and and they're not and they're not equal guests at a festival, particularly with different cultural backgrounds like that. Uh, and and what we've learned, uh, you know, from festivals like Randy's and stuff like that, where where you are performing with people from very different cultures all around the world, is you've got it's on you to slow down and understand and um and and connect, um, which is something that we've. Dave and I, and, 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 you know, we've been taught by Randy yourself from Mm. day dot, um, is, you know, you've, you've got to support first and make sure everyone's on the same page, then you can play. And, um, and having traveled the world as well and being that fish out of water in other people's cultures, you, you appreciate it so much when it happens to you as well. When, when the people you're working with take time to, to bring you um up to speed or into the 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 now of of the scene rather than kind of laugh at you and i'm i love going on in a scene in another language where i don't know what's going on and just playing and i love being that fish out of water in certain situations but if you're trying to do some work with substance in a in a true ensemble you do want that to to leave hmm. that space there um, for people, which is, uh, yeah, it's a, a really wonderful thing. So to have that flippant, ah, you'll get it kind of attitude, it, it says a lot like you've got the, I trust that you've got the skills, but it doesn't say a lot personally that I'm going to leave a lot of space for you in this, in this world that we've been invited to.
2: Mm. And it's putting the onus on you. Yeah. It's yeah. saying you deal, you cope, you do. And also like when we're putting fish out of water moments like i still remember a theater sports show here where we did an endowments and the endowment was ned kelly i didn't know who the had i didn't know who ned kelly was yeah it was a very famous yeah
1: oh i and, know uh, i have done my australian homework before
2: <laughs> ned <laughs> kelly is one
1: of them he's my favorite outlaw he built armor for himself <laughs> dropping references everybody with dave Morris.
2: <laughs> so i had a bucket on my head and I was an outlaw and I had no idea what was going on. Right. Oh, and, you know, and I'm, be, I'm like, I'm being chased. And I was like, I, I don't know what I don't know what's happening. Having a great time. But when I take the bucket off, I'm not the fish out of water anymore. When that scene ends. I'm not the fish out of water anymore. And this is something that's really interesting, because if you're someone that has been marginalized, and you've lived your life being treated as a fish out of water that being reinforced in a game where you're fish out of water may or may not be a comfortable thing because that's going to be then an individual thing to that person for me it's fine because i take the bucket off and i'm not the fish out of water Mm. and even that realization made me go right it's right there's so many differences and nuances, and I think this is exciting because it's starting to bring in and starting, sadly, starting, considering how long improvisation is going, starting isn't good enough, but thank goodness we're starting, other conversations, stories, possibilities, uh, stories of different cultures, um, being able to, to have more texture on our stage. And the fact that we're having these conversations, plus what we've lived, plus kind of uh, how many improvisers that are now at an age where, you know, accountability isn't as scary anymore. I'm really excited to see what could happen next if we can connect back to explore and ideas and concepts and questions. And we don't go further into let's package, market, make it really good because we've lost money for two years. Yep. Yeah, So we're on this really interesting tightrope right now.
1: So, yeah, funny. Back on, on marketing, um, there's this phrase that I heard that just really rung with me. Uh, it's, it was about computer companies and Facebook and stuff originally, but mm. the idea being that like their values have become our values. Like the values of mm. Facebook, the social media, and likes getting likes has become like our personal value of i want more likes on my posts right um but it applies a lot to improvising and what we do like the values that the audience have come in with that they want to come to a comedy show like that very simple premise that now every audience shows up expecting a comedy show and if you're trying to do anything other than a comedy show it's already a uphill battle to convince Mm -hmm. them it's not and so uh and same with like yeah so like their values what they expect when they come see the show have become what we try to give them and mm. we sort of lose our values as improvisers of discovery and failure and stuff it's like no we have to do a successful show that's marketable that brings people into the audience mm. um, But that term just had always it hit me so hard but their values became our values and we lo- we lost our values there and now mm. hopefully yeah I, i'm with you i hope we are getting back to those <laughs> values of, of improv that were of exploration and discovery like um sorry side note my company just did a show here uh we did a, a film on show. your couch no, here, right here, on my
2: couch. <laughs> on your couch. It yeah.
1: was called Making Out Show. No, it was, um, <laughs> <laughs> we just did a, a film show because we aren't quite back in theater yet here. Uh, and we did, a, it. Was, we called it the Blair Improv Project. You can mm-hmm. guess what the show is, but it was, a, it was a, a horror show, a found footage show, and we filmed it in the woods. And so we actually like went in the woods and we got a suggestion from the audience live stream. And then we said, good night. And then we filmed a show and sent it to them by the end of that night. And that was the that was the premise for the show. And so for us, it was like terrifying. And we were suddenly like thrust back in like this whole new world. Like none of us are film people. We're learning how to, to hold, like, to edit shots real quick. And we don't have time to edit properly. So we're editing it like chronological order, like real time mm-hmm. cutting the footage and stuff. And there was so much exploration and fun and failure and horrible moments and wonderful mm-hmm. moments. But it kind of, it threw me back to that like, those those foundational things of improvising, of just like playing and discovering. And like, even we just had our debrief tonight and the cast was saying how much fun it was. It reminded us of this other show we did where we were playing around with these ideas and how mm. were we going to figure it out? And we were figuring it out together. And it was so fun to be thrust out of our comfort zone there. And that was when like, that's that moment, like when you're thrust out of your comfort zone where you really do figure out who you are and what your values are. And so mm. those were the things that were coming up was this idea of like like, I don't even care if the shows were great. The experience of doing it was so fun and joyful and playful, and we were like having to listen to each other and, and really work together and struggle through things together and find our way. And we're in a dark forest, our feet are wet, trying to figure out it's <laughs> like and like. Okay, we only got fucking ten minutes. We got to get this thing edited. And we're like quickly rushing through things. Like it was so such a joyful, fun thing that that like yeah. But it was just 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 pinged me that I rem- rem- that we just did that and it threw us right back to How those cool. those foundations yeah and yeah anyway uh, but i hope more companies get to experience that yeah it comes remember, down to being
0: willing remember to take that we- risk yeah 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 because because uh, uh, the other thing about safety rail formats is they're so suffocating and some people only learn that only learn in that environment um we've seen mm-hmm. uh companies all around the place that pop up they teach a syllabus someone teaches it to someone who's teaching it the next time and it, it's it's safety rails and uh and hand holding and mm-hmm. um and and th- that's so it's so frustrating but people are discovering the joys of improv so you're like I, I see what's happening. I can see what, what's going on here, um, uh, but, but I just want to kind of go, there's, there's also so much more. And in Melbourne, there's been a, a joy probably recently, and I've, I've said this before on the podcast, over the last five years really, that people are blowing out of the end of, of training regimes in these very structured um, companies and starting to pop their head up and look around and go, what else is there? Who else is there? Um, what's going on? I, and, and people are starting to make eye contact with each other, uh, mm-hmm. around the place that, uh, are starting to, um, really mix and enjoy each other's company and, 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 and really uh, get experimental with play styles and stuff like that. And, and that's where the real joy is. So those kind of people who, you know, have that kind of rigid training and stuff like that. I, I keep wanting to crack the whip to say, just. Take a look outside the bubble for for a little bit because it's so restrictive, um, and and once they realise there's more, that's where I, that's where I'm hanging around going, all right, let's play. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean? absolutely. And if you look at kind of the history of little bursts yeah. of evolution in the community, um, so if you look at you know annoyance theatre and and the foundation of that and the contribution it's made to the community. You know, when they banded together, uh, Mick is their kind of first official, unofficial A D, you know, said to the group, Okay, fuck the rules.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's do impro shows, plays, musicals. Go. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, they were they were originally, you know, they were known as being quite shocking as they did their what was it? Um ed Prison Sluts. I think it was a musical. <laughs> oh my gosh um i just i was recently talking to joe bill about this and he was explaining the whole whole history of it but you know they broke away from other things to go okay hang on let's create let's let's shake off the authority let's shake off the rigidity and do stuff yeah you know um and that's so important you know uh If, you, if you've got nothing to question, you've got nothing to say, you, you're not interested in exploring, then what is improvisation to you? Yeah. You know?
1: yeah. Why? Why are you improvising? Why is yeah. doing something else? <laughs> why are you writing a sketch well, or something? Why do you want to improvise? Like.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of people who improvise because it makes them feel good.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's fine. It makes them feel good. They enjoy playing with people. You know it's like board game night we yeah. all love board game night you know you gather together with people you have a good time um but i do think there's there's different components of the community and and people who are playing because it makes them feel good and they just enjoy doing it should that be on stage i don't know sure um oh
1: i i spent a lot of time in the spoken word poetry community. Ah. and uh, there are a lot of people in the poetry community that get on stage to share their personal stories and stuff for them because it's cathartic and stuff and it's healing Mm -hmm. and that's wonderful i'm so happy they're doing that but sometimes you just don't want to watch that because it's just too personal and it's too emotional and they forgot that the audience is there and it's Mm -hmm. not about the audience and sharing with us and like helping bring us some truth or bring us a story you're doing it just for yourself and and it's a little it's a little selfish and making the audience watch you go through your therapy isn't isn't what spoken word poetry is meant for. It's meant to bring the audience a new point of view on the world. And if you're doing that and you're sharing your truth at the same time, great. But as soon as it's like it tilts too far in one direction,, yes. why are we like like we were talking about this with Kevin Gilles last week about um student shows in in improv and like with your company, have you become a school? that's just doing these shows cause it's like making money and it's sort of this like <clears throat> almost like a racket or are you a company that's producing works of theater for an audience? Which one are you? And like, like we should be a theater first. That's also teaching classes and the student shows we should know this is a student show they're learning here. Come check it out. Like that's fine. But the audience should know what they're coming to, I guess.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, students need to get stage experience if they're going to, if they want to go towards the stage, and I, I actually fear that there's a lot of students who actually don't want to be on stage, mm-hmm. but because of the model that they're in and they form friendships with a group, they kind of feel they have to. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you're having student shows, make sure the audience knows their student shows. It's only fair to be yeah. honest. Mm -hmm. you know um and then do you charge for those shows you know it i guess it depends on your costs but you know i would say try not to or keep it low so -hmm. that you've got because the audience will look at one ticket ticket price and another ticket price and they'll go what's the difference here oh that's a student show that's not okay Mm -hmm. they're not dumb yeah uh, and it does also give kind of a scale to the work, which is useful for audiences to understand.
0: yeah awesome. And again, if we're valuing our work and and uh, and working to put the best possible work on stage, then the audience will see that with with that differences as, as well. Mm. Um, um yeah i i fully swear by that kind of thing it's like if it's if you're putting work that is worthwhile on the stage you should charge for it like a theater ticket (laughs) you know Uh, if you're putting uh if you've got an ensemble of professionally trained improvisers and actors and you're putting a piece of theater on stage don't don't go five bucks and uh and a a, a, and a beer give it bring it you know (laughs) <laughs> Again, position the audience. it's it's all about positioning your audience into uh, into um what their expectations are when they sit in that dark room and the lights go down.
2: Absolutely. Here's a, um, I got a question for you guys. Can I ask a question?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. of course of course yeah, of
2: course. Uh, so we we were doing a, a panel last night called Speak freely um, and a, a topic came up about improvisers going into the rehearsal room. So this is not uh, going into like a general workshop. This is, you know, performers of a company getting together to rehearse skills or work on a show. And um, the attitude that improvisers bring into doing that. Um, so if if I'm cast in a play and I'm going to rehearsal, there's a headset, a mindset that I go into because I'm going into that room to work. I'm going into mm-hmm. that room to to give what I can, to bring what I can, because I know that if everybody does that each rehearsal, then where we get to is gonna be a sum total of that contribution, that energy, that focus.
0: And also you've been cast to bring that energy and professionalism into the room.
2: Absolutely. Um, do we see improvisers walking into the impro room with that same, level of value that same awareness bringing that same mindset
0: i i expect that if i'm directing a a, a format i i expect that um that mindset to to be in le yes we'll have a laugh for 15 minutes when we come in and and sit mm-hmm. down but when it when it, it's time to focus on the work and we're into it and whoever is directing the format is is mm-hmm. saying right here we go uh, i expect that focus for that two three hours. That you'd expect out of a scripted rehearsal absolutely and if i wasn't getting that from people consistently uh and i was directing then i would i would have words with them privately just to to uh, address that but absolutely you've been cast for a reason uh and that reason is to bring your individual expertise and individual viewpoint um uh and the way that you see things and the way that you improvise on onto the stage and if you're not bringing that or you're going oh it'll be all right on the night uh and kind of <laughs> phoning it in through through rehearsal then you're not you're not bringing that to the the, the floor so as an yeah. as a director i would expect that and,
1: and address it mm. yeah it's a uh, good I see the. I see why it's such an interesting question. Because I, I mean, I have my answer. My answer is very similar to Jason's. Yes, of course you should do that, right? But like, and like with the shows that I do. I often have assigned reading before people come. So they have, have had to read a show, a book or or there's like a movie they would have had to watch that we're all going to now talk about at this first meeting. And yeah. so people have like almost homework to do. So they show up and they work and they know that the first session is we're building the show together. Let's talk about it. Let's brainstorm. What did you think of this? How did you find the language? And we talk about all the things. So it is very work focused. Um, but I do see the difficulty and I see it a lot in my, I've been, I mean, I've been running companies since i was like 19 so i've been i've been running companies for like 20 years through like different modes of styles and things and like it's that it's when when a company starts to become like a family versus a company and Mm -hmm. we start caring about each other a lot and wanting to take care of each other a lot and we start to like it's more fun and like we're here because we love each other and it's joyful thing and you don't want to ruin that feeling Uh, So you don't want to have to impose strict discipline on like, please show up on time, like just show up on time and ready to work. Imposing that sort of discipline takes that fun family feeling out of it. But then I would say nothing takes it out more than the director having to be mean to people for being late or not mean, but like having to discipline someone now it's mm-hmm. really ruined that energy. So I think the the correct answer is, of course, yes, you should bring that energy into the room with you and show up with that so that we can maintain that joyful root connection. Cause as soon as you break it and now we have to actually like, Get into like, please be on time. You're wasting other people's time. Jason's been here for 20 minutes waiting for you to arrive. Like you're being disrespectful. Now Mm -hmm. it's really broken that joy. And I think that's what people want is they want to keep it fun and joyful and like a family. Mm. Uh, And like my advice always to people starting a company is make sure you know who the director is. Make it very clear that they're directing and everyone does what they say. Because so many companies don't want to do that. They want to have everyone gets to make their decisions together because it's more friendly mm-hmm. and it feels like a more improv thing to do, but it ends up taking away from the ability to do the work. It takes it. It ends up ruining that fun. Absolutely. If that, if that, that would be my complex answer to that question. Simple oh. answer, Jason's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the complex answer. Um, I like the simple answer too, but the complex answer, uh, cause I agree with both of you. It's like, uh, if we're doing a show, there's, there's a joy to step into the room, um, bringing the fullness of who you are into a creative space with the fullness of everybody else to, to mash it all together, to find what we can do. Yeah. And it baffles me when people don't come with that. Yeah. Right. Um, when, you know, people straggle in 20 minutes late when people don't do the reading and then they make it the directors. Oh, you're being this. You're being that. Even if you say ahead of time, here's the clarity of what we're doing. Here's the expectation of what we're doing. And everybody agrees. Then then people still have this thing that. It's like improv isn't important enough or. We don't need to give impro that focus or attention or I know impro, so it's going to be okay on the night, as right. Jay said, right? right? And and for me, that's that's devaluing the director, that's devaluing the show, that's devaluing your colleagues.
0: And the process as well. Yeah.
2: The process, the work, everything. And it's immediately created, like you said, Dave, this environment now that the director has to go. Okay, instead of a a spirit of everybody coming in with full contribution, with everybody coming in with full agreement, with everybody coming in on the same page, which I've taken the time to let you all know so you can make that decision before you say yes, I now have to caretake Mm -hmm. you. I have to manage that. I have to negotiate this. I have to form strategies on, which takes the director's creativity and energy away from the process.
1: And makes everyone less, it it makes the whole room less fun. Yeah. Your your goal of being fun and laid back just got destroyed by you being so... So careless about the mm. rules. Like and I think by f- being so laid back, you made it so we can't be laid back. Find the balance. Come on. Do all the things you have to do, and then we can have fun. I mm. think for a performer
0: as well, it also comes back to ego a little bit. Like the fact that you might have been cast in this thing isn't the victory. It's the first step.
1: <laughs> yes. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Totally.
0: Yeah. And, and yes. so so you know, great, you got cast in this thing, but it's the first step, and you're there for a reason to bring all your expertise. <laughs> To bear on it and make it better with everyone else, and yeah. and so and I think some people see that as the victory, and then go into cruise mode um, when they're in the room or don't bring their full attention or want to piss fart around. And and we're all comedians, we're all we're all funny people, and there are times and places in a rehearsal in two hours where that's going to happen you know but but then getting back in and refocusing is the real real skill of it um you know not letting that energy shoot off into the ether and and completely destroy the room but i think Mm. it does come come back to the fact that you've been cast for a reason that's not the victory the victory is the 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 thing that happens at the end of this process not at the start of the process
2: yeah, and we're human, right? So there's going to be days where someone's late or there's going to be days course, where someone's yeah. not focused or there's going to be someone's misinterpreted something or mm-hmm. someone's struggling with the process and they're not trying to be an obstacle. It's just they're trying to get their head around what's happening. That's a given. That's that's fine. That's, that's part of part it. That's part of
1: the work. Yeah, that's part of the work.
2: But there's this attitude that improvisers uh, there's a general attitude that improvisers seem to have about our own work Mm -hmm. and the um that it does it doesn't it doesn't matter or i don't have to or um it's like we don't respect ourselves Hmm.
1: yeah i i I think, yeah, a lot of improvisers have a negative attitude towards rehearsals in general, and they just want to do shows. And I remember talking with Billy Tierney from the upfront theater about this years ago. they they would do like six shows a week, kind of thing uh, mm. at their theater and have one rehearsal that wasn't mandatory. so so some people would be rehearsing once a week, but everyone else would be doing six shows a week. and they and we talked about how like that many shows with that few rehearsals, ends up taking people into the worst improv they're going to do because they're now just that you start pandering and you don't work on the work anymore you're just presenting it all the time and mm-hmm. like for every show i've ever done we've had more rehearsals than shows and i like make sure of it that there's always a longer rehearsal process than there is a show mm. process because to me that's the that's the work that's what we're doing that every time we mm. improvise it's the same there's just an audience or there's not like we're still working on this together. Like we should still be committing to it as much. Uh, but yeah, that, that negative attitude towards rehearsals of like, we'll just do it on the day. I'll save it for the show. That kind of, and I I always make the joke about the improviser stretch, uh, improviser stretch where they just put one arm in front of their body and then (laughs) open their leg, open their legs and just rock back and forth. Like that's what they, that's their stretch. Like They don't take it seriously. Um, And uh yeah like I I don't know, I guess I take my play very seriously <laughs> so that the play can be fun. Yeah.
2: yeah. You take your craft very seriously and it's a craft.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know mm-hmm. um and it it baffles me that people don't want to rehearse cuz that's that's such an interesting space to be in. Yeah. That's where we pose problems and find solutions or not. And then it lingers in your mind for years and you keep, you know, plugging away at it. Um, and it baffles me that, you know, if, if you're creating a show and you say, Hey, let's create the show that people don't want to be there. And I get that there's work and family and stuff. So that, that's a given.
3: Yeah,
2: It's more the want it's not, not the obstacles of can, it's mm-hmm. the want where you get this, uh, how many rehearsals? It's like, yeah, OK, I no, but yeah. Thank you. Thank, thanks for trying, but you're not in. And, and I
1: guess no, well, what you were saying about, like, why? Why do you improvise? Well, I guess maybe were you saying that? I feel like you, somebody said it at some point. <laughs> maybe it was Jason. Maybe it was me. Um, but why are you improvising? Like, what is your purpose for being here? Are you here to get on stage and make jokes and have people laugh at you and so that you feel important? Uh, if you're there for that, then the rehearsal isn't going to matter to you. Cause that's mm. not going to get you that. Um, are you here because you love play and love having like discovering things with people and exploring ideas and telling stories, then the rehearsal is going to have that yeah. same feeling for you. Uh, and so like, y- yeah, what's your purpose for being here? Are you, are you just mm-hmm. here for the the laugh? If you are, then, you know, and, and you weren't funny enough to be in standup comedy so that you ended up in improv. That's <laughs> that I don't watch in my show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs>
0: the um, the thing that 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 we all know to be true, and anyone I think who adopts this mindset knows to be true, is some of the most hilarious, beautiful, cathartic, wonderful moments are going to happen in a rehearsal room with mm. four people watching while you're you're rehearsing the thing, and yeah. and afterwards you you're going to give yourself notes and uh, and go that was wonderful. Let's try to get that the feeling of that back again not that exact scene but the feeling of this back again we nailed it here let's let's try to try to get that back in the show and having seen those those that process of going okay we've set the bar this high for ourselves here let's mm-hmm. let's aim to clear that again let's let's note that the height of that bar and and go for that again and um and, and i know i i absolutely swear that some you know some of the most beautiful stuff that we've all seen has just been either in a workshop or in a rehearsal or things like that where there's no audience as such there are the improvisers who are off stage and and, and that's it you know mm. um yeah, I, improvisers that are willing to throw themselves at that moment in the rehearsal room, is mm. it's not wasted because you now know you can get there. And I think some improvisers feel like if they're doing that kind of work in the rehearsal room, that it's a waste. Um, why aren't we doing it on stage, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. but if anything, you can prove to yourself that it can be done and, uh, and, and set that bar high again.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. it does. Yeah, you said... That that idea of uh, of of what we do isn't important. Yeah. Uh, that, that idea. I I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate people mm-hmm. <laughs> who think like who who do a show and they're like, ah, eh, whatever, it was just a show, whatever, it's gone. And it's like, well, no, no. Like like I I I, just, I try to fight against this idea that improv is like disposable theater. To me, it's like the, the difference between, and I'm sure I've said this on the podcast so many times, Jason. So Jason's so bored of me saying this, <laughs> but that it's it's not like tissue paper that you use to blow your nose and you throw it away. It's not like that disposable. It's like Haley's comet. It's like you're gonna see it once. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's one time in your whole life that you're gonna get to witness this moment.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's how we should be treating it in awe. Like it's a it's a it's a unique spectacle. It's not this whatever it doesn't matter because it's not permanent it's like it matters more because it's not permanent because it's the only time we get to experience it and the the way i I just don't understand how people can go the other way on that i'm like what do you mean it's it's (laughs) what do you mean it doesn't matter it's it's the only time this show's ever been done (laughs) it matters so much it's so beautiful it's so more it's so important absolutely
2: i know that when i'm teaching um you know, beginners, sometimes I'll use the ah, it's disposable, it's like tissue paper. But I'm using that, because I'm trying to help them get over their fear yeah. of failure. So don't worry about it being good. And yeah. in in the class where you're exploring, don't worry about it being good.
1: Yeah, that's what rehearsals it, it, are for. That's the rehearsals absolutely. for that is to play and explore. And yeah, mm-hmm.
2: absolutely. Um, but I do think and I'll see what, what the two of you think about this. Um, oh, can I put it as a question without giving my opinion? First,
1: <laughs> give your opinion first, it's fine. This is this uh, is your show, Patty, this is your show. Eh, uh,
2: <laughs> it's, it's our chat. I'm loving this chat. Um, there seems to be for me, a gap between uh, what's being taught in workshops, and theory, uh, games, exercises, and uh, what's happening on stage. And there's yes, just, you know, level of skill, but also, there's a mentality. So the the stepping onto stage,, and, oh, it doesn't matter. Well, hang on, no, someone's paid their hard earned money to come see the show. If it doesn't matter to you, then why is this happening? But I understand it doesn't matter in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So there's all this classroom ethic that people are using in their performance ethic, because I don't think there's been that crossover of, hang on, the play changes. So here you're playing, here we're creating a play and it's a different type of play and we're using Mm -hmm. play differently. Yeah. And that, crossover hasn't happened well
1: well it gets to the paradox of of improvising but i feel like i have i have now stated both sides of this argument in the same same conversation (laughs) this like that on stage improv the show is so unique it's magic it's it's a once in a lifetime thing is so important Mm -hmm. but at the same time we're gonna make so many mistakes and it's gonna we're gonna fail a bunch and that's okay it's mm-hmm. okay to fail, but it's still important. Like those two, like, like they feel like they're paradoxes to each other. And I guess to me, it's that idea of like it, it, a mistake is a be- can be a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to watch a mistake happen and people try to correct it or incorporate it or fix it can be j- is just as beautiful as, as it's not. But yeah, it, it, we, we shouldn't just be like, it doesn't matter, even though it's okay to fail. It's okay to do yeah. a bad show. But it's not okay to intentionally do a bad job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think we should be trying. Like the, the joke I, we always say here in Vancouver, the Instant Theater used to have it as a motto, aim for art, settle for comedy. Was, was <laughs> the, the thing. And I feel like that should always be what we're doing when we improvise. We, of course, should be aiming for the best thing we can possibly do yeah Ooh. and it's not gonna work. We're never gonna do the best thing we can possibly do, but we should be trying to every time mm-hmm. uh and then what happens is the show, and that's what we all got to share and experience and discover together, but that doesn't mean we stop striving <laughs> like I, eh, it doesn't matter. I also no one's get- gonna see it ever again, <laughs> like no, still aim,
0: yeah, I also think it's a um. It's a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing in the sense that a lot of companies now train you for the stage. So there's no there's no separation between the workshop and the stage. So all of that it doesn't matter it, that you do in the workshop carries straight, straight onto the stage in your mm-hmm. tenth week of the course or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So so there's there's no there's no separation between this is my learning head and this is my performing head. The the cat, carrot that is dangled at the end of the course is performance. So the workshop leads to the performance and it's hard to make that separation between performance pr- mindset and, and learning mindset because there is none. It, it One is leading directly to the other and then that's getting reinforced over and over again every six months or wh- whenever you go up a level and up a level and up a level. So I think that's also made it hard to tell the difference. Now, uh, when we were working in Pro Melbourne, we would work, um, and the Impro Melbourne School would would there was never it was never geared towards performance. It was always geared towards uh, skill learning and, uh, and and different areas of that. And then after that sort of stuff was done, then you could go into um, stuff that was geared towards performance. And I think. Because of the mighty dollar, because of the way things have come up through a lot of the newer schools that have popped up, the result is performance. So there's mm-hmm. absolutely no divorce between mm-hmm. those two things, which leads one directly into the other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Impro Melbourne still has uh, the spontaneity, uh, narrative and character courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's uh, a very uh, specific reason that they're not put into levels. Because that starts making you think of school and university and all of that, which, you know, it, it starts putting it on a rung of success and failure and this and that. It it's triggering all the stuff from school, which is exactly what Spolin and Johnstone and Cole spoke against. Yeah. <laughs> so it baffles me that impro organizations try to become more rigid yeah. in their structures.
1: Yeah. I when the foundations the... of our work. I know I call them levels. I have one, two, three, and four, and I've tried to take it out and call them like foundation and and or, or games and scenes, like like uh, advanced scene work or whatever, like just try to name them other things. But people really, want, I, I find this pressure. Again, their values became my values. Like I find this pressure, like people want to know that they're moving up in something. And so they want to know like, what should I do next? Please tell me. I've done this course at Bad Dog Theater in Toronto which course should I take at yours based on that level? And they want to move up and it's this strange, like there's no end of my improv learning. Like you don't stop learning suddenly at level four, like it's over, but I feel this pressure to do it. And yeah, it baffles me too. And I do it Mm. and I'm stuck here going like, how do I get out of it? (laughs)
2: Like, well, yeah, there's pressure, but you know, that pressure is serving, uh, It's serving agendas, which are agendas that we're trying to interrupt in improvisation,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. right? We're, We're, we're hoping to get students into a collaborative space, not in a success, like collaborative and accepting mistakes and failure, not a, I must succeed, move to the next level, I do five courses, then I'll be, this is all forward thinking and we're of the moment. Yeah. um right? like it's it, it's really <laughs> yeah. counterintuitive to our work and i know you know i've had a lot of discussions about this with people and people go oh well you know it's a successful sales model and i go okay so you're putting the sales over the art fine their,
1: their values became our values that's it
2: absolutely that's right couldn't you put foundation bracket level one Mm-hmm. And you start calling it foundation, even though they see level one, but you use the language of foundation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, and then eventually put L one and then eventually just mm-hmm. remove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's ways of like I'm we train notes. our audience.
1: I'm taking notes right now. I'm actually <laughs> writing this down. Yeah.
2: There's ways of training people just like we train our audience. And we have, you know, we have discussions with our students where they're like, um, you know, where do you start? And you say, well, spontaneity is kind of the first skill set. So that's the starting point. And, you know, at the end of spontaneity, when we're giving feedback, and so forth, we're going, okay, so where you're at, uh, you could either use more spontaneity work, because, or, you know, you can take that and now go into narrative, it's not a pass fail, it's where are you at? And what do you need? Because we're all individual we all improvise differently, we all learn differently. So this idea of of levels and structures and you go through a curriculum that has 10 games and now you've aced it and now you go on is counterintuitive to an artistic creative process where you come into the room to explore. Like all these steps are taking us further and further and further and further away from the heart of the work and you see it, we're seeing it on stage, we're hearing in the language, students wanting more rules, they're wanting more guidelines because when they're performing, it doesn't feel right. Something's wrong for them, and what's wrong happened right back in their first class. Mm. You know, because they're put on a treadmill instead of put into a process, and and this is problematic.
1: Yeah, I find that question when when uh, younger younger duos that just started up did a show, and then afterwards they come up, and they go, "What do you think? Was that was that, how, how was it? What what'd you think?" As if my opinion is, is going to tell them if it was good or not. And I'm like, well, what did you think? Was that what you were trying to do? Did that succeed with your goals? Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't know. Was were you trying to be funny? And then, yeah, okay. It was funny. Yeah. You did it. It's like, what are you trying to do? Well, why do you want me to tell you you're right or wrong on this? Like, that's not, that's not what it's about.
2: Absolutely. Keith stopped going to impro shows because of that exact thing. People oh, yeah. asking him afterwards. So what'd you think? And he, you know, Keith is Keith. He's going to say what he thinks <laughs> and people would hate him mm-hmm. and people would walk away going, Oh, still, blah, blah, blah. it's like, well, you asked me what I thought. Oh, <laughs> you don't care what I thought. You wanted me to compliment you. You want yeah.
1: validation. Yeah. Man.
2: Yeah. You know, validation and information are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I get that people want validation. Of course they do. Um, but then yeah. how you ask for
1: it is also different. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going way long on this. Yeah. Question. We, oh, should, yeah, we should probably wrap up soon. I could know. I mean, I could do this. It's 10 30 PM here, but I could do this all night. I could say. Uh, well, well <laughs> let's let, let's let's uh, wind but this I, one up. I do want to, I do want to uh, segue. Yeah. You, you want to segue? You got a segue.
0: Yeah, uh, no, I was going to say, let's wrap this one up with our final question. But, um, oh. but let's uh, let's. Uh, stick a pin in it and say, Patty, we'd love to have you back on another time in the future. And uh, maybe we'll get you on with uh, Mr. Joe bill. Who's been threatening (gasps) to come back onto the podcast a second time um, and, uh, and have a, a four-way chat. That would be great. But uh, segue over to you, Dave. Dave. I was,
1: I I I was going to ask, I just, I just had to ask this question because I ordered the book and it's in the mail right now. I haven't. Yes. And I was going to ask, like, can you give us quickly, like, what's what's one or two of the improv rules we should be thrown out? Like your book as well. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Patty's wrote a book called uh, uh, Improv. Imp- improvise Throw- throwing out the rules. What was it? Uh, improvise that? freely. Improvise freely. Throwing out the rules. Uh, mm-hmm subversion of that i don't have it yet it's in the mail <laughs> um, but but uh what are some of the rules we should be throwing up some, yeah there it is throw throw away the way, the rule book and unleash your creativity that's it what are some of the rules that we, we're we holding on to that we should throw away give us like one or two of them before we before we wrap also just uh, uh...
0: while patty's thinking of that the uh, artwork of, of the cover of this podcast is by liam Amor and the artwork in
1: the book is by liam Amor. He did the artwork for the, yes! the podcast yep. episode. The, our photo, uh, our our graphic for this show is it's he also great. Liam Amor. He's the best.
2: He's the best. best. He's great. All right. Uh, so the rules: uh, who, what, where? Always name each other. Never ask mm. questions. Don't yeah. do transaction scenes. <laughs> yes, and word at a time should always end with the moral of the story is.
1: <laughs> is that a rule? <laughs>
2: in some places it is
1: oh i never learned that one damn
2: yeah <laughs> gonna, gonna write it down uh, so those those are some of the ones um yeah there's there's 10 of them that i go through um i can't even remember what they are because i'm chatting oh that uh, sounded
1: great that sounded oh start then.
2: in the middle yes. always name oh. each other mm. if you have fun so will the audience
1: mm. yeah not true <laughs> definitely not <laughs> No,
2: definitely not. i <laughs> watched a bunch of
1: guys eat hot, eat hot sauce on stage once, and it was not fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping um, on mouse traps. Great, yeah, that's great. I love. It. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it because yeah, there's a lot of those rules that I find myself in. A, in a class, someone asks me about it. The rule of like, don't ask questions, and I have to be like, well, you know, we we say that sometimes because. <laughs> Like there, some people fall into these traps of asking for information, and then I explain why we say the rule. But then I'm like, "But you can totally ask questions." Yeah. <laughs> but this is why people sometimes lean into that rule, and it's like it, it. But it's not a. That's not the rule. The no, rule is it, making like give give for infer- Let me do a good scene.
2: <laughs> well, also, you know, and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier about that transition of of theory and philosophy. Um, you know students are in a class and they're there wanting to learn and wanting to do it right so in one class in one scene in one moment a teacher could say to one student who's relying on questions because they don't want to make a statement
3: yeah
2: don't ask questions yeah and the scene changes remarkably and a student in the back row writes down don't ask questions, questions. Yeah. and then when they become a teacher they go no 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 don't ask questions and suddenly a rule is born yeah where it's a technique that was used somewhere to help someone in a moment. Yeah. So all of these rules have a purpose and have a possibility and they add something, but not when they're a rule. So I was teaching a class this morning for a group in the in the States and someone said, what do you think about scenes with strangers? And I went, love them, have them, more of them. And they went, well, but we were told never to do scenes with strangers because you always have to name the person and have a have in your mind a six month history with them. Existing relationship. Yeah. And I went, how you're improvising? How yeah. can you possibly like you can <laughs> um, make shit up as you're walking? But the minute they they call you by your name or identify you or start the scene, that be gone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because if I'm thinking, oh, I was your prom queen date and we were and they go hi grandma well that's gone (laughs) (laughs) right so you know but if you're doing a long form maybe it's useful to make assumptions of history to give more depth and texture to the characters in the work but if you're playing you know a stage direction scene you don't need six months previous history to play a stage direction scene Mm, no Anyway.
1: Yeah. It, well, that's that's great. It's what you, like like that note, don't ask questions. It's like, well, the real note the teacher should have given is a way longer conversation about fear and, uh, in, and how you're uncomfortable and you don't know what to say. So you're falling into this th- of asking your partner because they look like they know, but they don't know either. And, and like, it's a long conversation that involves a lot of like uh, emotional, <laughs> personal, like who you are as a person, which you can't do in a class because it just takes too much time for that one person and everyone else gets bored because they've all paid and they're there. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. So you're going <sighs> to find the quickest way to get them to do the thing. That's going to make the scene good. And like, that's where it comes from. And really you should mm. be slowing down and going, okay, whoa, let's talk about this. As This as, is an
2: opportunity yeah. for learning. People yeah, ask and, questions and rely on questions when they're wimping and they're wimping because they're afraid of having responsibility or accountability in the scene and being wrong. Yeah. Right. So first put the student through exercises where if you see someone wimping, put them in exercises that they're not wimping and then afterwards do the intellectual stuff. Because if you do the intellectual stuff and label them as a whimper before you try to help them change, then they're going to be too self-aware of what's going on and they won't have that experiential Mm -hmm. learning. Um, But there's useful questions. There's unuseful questions. Sure. Right. If it's like, hey, what do you want to do? So what, hey,
1: what are you doing? What are you doing there? What, what are you
2: what? You know, but if I say, uh, you know, I don't know, want to rob a bank with me? Yeah. Or will you marry me? Or you look like you're going to kill me? Are you? Yeah. Then those things can open up lots of doors of possibilities. Yeah.
1: But so. even even the question "What's up?" can be said with subtext that tells you so much mm. about the characters, right? Like. Like what's up? What's up? Like I'm, I'm yeah. clearly trying to fight you there. It's a question, but it's what's not up? a question.
2: Yeah. What's up? It's, what's it's, up? You
1: know, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's really the the note is you know don't don't be afraid. Go for it. Have fun. Play. Uh, make offers. Explore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what a perfect way to dip out of this this podcast. Uh, we have one final question that we love to ask, mm-hmm. uh, Patty. If you could imbue every single person in the world with one trait that us improvisers have, uh,
1: what would it be? Yeah, like with magic, like you just snap your fingers and everyone can suddenly play like, you know, uh, arms expert or something like the arms (laughs) game really well. Like what's the trait that improvisers have? (laughs) That was a bad example. <laughs>
3: um.
1: Everyone is really good at the, the hat game. Suddenly the whole world can play the hat game with no problem. What was the trait? <laughs> uh,
2: I think learning to inspire each other.
1: Mm. Beautiful. That's a good answer. Oh, You have inspired me, Patty Stiles. I've, I've really I've got notes here. I'm gonna start phasing on my leveling. I'm gonna use your technique. Uh, <laughs> it's been absolutely lovely, and and it's so nice to finally meet you too. And actually, like you know, see see see, the, put a face in person to the to the name I've heard so much of. Uh, and this uh, this conversation I think proves why you're on the pre-act table of improvisation. Thank the, you for putting the elements, me there. One of the elements <laughs> that holds it all together. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, I
2: look forward to playing with you in person. And jace I look forward to just seeing you again. Seeing,
0: I know, just seeing you sometime soon. Hopefully, oh, I'll yeah. pass across somewhere here in Melbourne before the world opens up too much and it steals you away. um So lovely to see you, folks. So lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, thank you for everything. But you know, that's that's a that's a twenty five year thank you. But uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's always appreciated. Um, and so I uh, let's just end it there. Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk to you thanks. again
1: soon. Thanks for Jason. Thanks for making Jason, <laughs> taking him out of this horrible path he was on and putting him on the right <laughs> yeah. path. I appreciate it personally. <laughs> our friendship is founded on that. <laughs>